May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We're at that uh, time of the year where there is a lot of angst and worry uh, because it is school report uh, writing season uh, as we speak. And uh, being the husband of a primary school teacher, I know about this only too well. Um, he's always bemoaning the amount of work that goes into writing a school report and apparently my suggestions have been deemed as not very helpful. Um, My suggestions were that you just write on every single one of them rubbish or jail fodder. Uh, I mean, there are only eight, but it's possibly right, you know, and um, and just, you know, it will make it all a lot quicker. But apparently these days you're not allowed to write negative comments in a school report. Somewhat different from my school report, I hasten to add, um, that my craft report was uh, scathing, I think is a fair uh, word um, that was offered, and my mother uh, nearly died with the shame of the whole process. Apparently, you can't use bad words. So you use words like lively, which means a menace to themselves and wider civic society, or opinionated, meaning a foul-mouthed buffoon. Um, Those sorts of things are are pretty much how it all happens these days. So those of you who are parents, look out for those little messages uh, in the report that you get later on uh, this term. Your school report, when you got it, was it always that thing that you were walking home with it with great trepidation, having to hand it over to your parents, knowing full well that you'd probably get a cuff round the ear as a result? Or was it one of those where you're always hoping secretly for a pound because you've been such a good boy or girl throughout the whole process of the year? What was it like for you? I say all this because in our John reading today, we effectively have Jesus at the the critical moment in John's Gospel. John's Gospel is is odd because it has this phenomenally long section that takes place in the one room. And it takes place in the run-up to uh, them going out into into the garden where Jesus is betrayed. And this is the final part before they actually leave, um, before the the, uh, Holy Communion and all of that kind of thing. And in this, um, Jesus is effectively giving to God the report card on where the disciples are at. Just before Gethsemane, betrayal and abandonment. So it's somewhat ironic that just at the moment where they scatter in fear, where they demonstrate how absolutely useless they are as disciples, Jesus is saying how unified they are and how that's wonderful, that they mirror the unity that is betwixt God the Father and God the Son, and that by their unity, Christian community itself can be formed. Maybe... Jesus is giving a report card where he's only able to use positive words because the words that he actually would be offering would be quite damning, really, of each of them. Jesus is highlighting what the disciples are capable of 
not where they are at that precise moment. Has potential might be a phrase that would appear on their report card. They've got a lot of work to do, but really what they need more than anything else is the Holy Spirit, that transforming of them from this mediocre band of people who, let's face it, are quite good at cowardice and betrayal, that they need that transforming element to turn them into the means of starting to form Christian community itself. Throughout that John reading, Jesus is talking about the essential component of unity within the concept of a community. That you can't have community without unity itself. That you find ways of working together, that you try and overcome the differences if that is at all possible. And so you look at that reading and then you look at the life of our church around the world. Jesus is talking time and time again about unity. Well, frankly, where is it in the Christian church as we speak? Colin Morris, uh, 50-odd years ago, um, talked about the importance of of Christian unity in one of his books, and he said, yeah, it's important. Um, So let's maybe give it a month. Um, and let's sort out all of the Anglican Methodist conversations and all the other conversations. Let's get all of that resolved and sorted. And then let's get to the real essence of why the Christian church exists, which is to proclaim and promote the kingdom of God. Because we can't be a church properly whilst there is so much disharmony and discord. Unfortunately, that was 50-odd years ago, and we still haven't learned the lessons. And you know, only have to think about the challenges facing our brothers and sisters at the big church down the road for what's happening next year with the Lambeth Conference to realise how much difficulty in one own denomination there is about the concept of unity. And let's face it, the Methodists, we're not much better, are we? Unity is the great challenge facing the church because to the outside world, at times, we frankly look ridiculous. That we find obscure reasons to divide one another rather than actually seeking out what is our truly common purpose and then putting all of our energies into that. Jesus is clear. This is the moment before he goes out into the garden where he is betrayed. And he says that the very essence, the very identity of the church lies in seeking out a unity of allowing love to flourish within the confines of the church. So those who deliberately seek to sow discord and division within the church, they must be called out and they must be faced down. We are called to form community together, not to form ourselves into differing factions where one or two individuals can maintain their control. The church is to be a place of gathering, of welcome to all, a place where people truly seek the common ground of those things that are noble and true and just and peaceful. So it's okay that we emphasize the importance of unity and and maybe it is something that we need to dust ourselves off and get cracking with again and have another shot at the ecumenical discussions. Even though at times, frankly, I guess like a lot of us, we're, we're quite weary about the process. 
But I think that the unity and those conversations about ecumenism are important only if there is a true purpose at the end of it. Not unity for unity's sake, but as John makes quite clear, the unity has to be based on two things. It has to be based in Christ, firstly, and secondly, for the glory of God. No point in unity for unity's sake, but unity for the advancement of God's kingdom. Imagine what would happen if all of us, all the denominations, really and truly worked together. No separate Methodist overseas uh, aid division. No separate Anglican Mothers Union. But actually all of these organizations seriously working closer together for the advancement of God's kingdom. Now, there are many churches, many congregations, many Christians who think that the church merely exists to be a place where people can gather and have meetings. Dull, boring meetings. And apparently, there are a lot of people who think that that is the sole reason why the church exists. That the church exists to form a club of like-minded people like ourselves. And that we can then find subtle ways of excluding other people that we form unity by exclusion. I think Jesus in our reading today is saying that that interpretation of unity is just plain and simply not good enough. It has to be based in Christ and for the advancement of the glory of God. So how are we to reflect upon unity within our own community where are there places of disharmony? Where are there places within our own life of our church where we exclude other people? And how can we extend the hand of friendship and fellowship rather than dismiss? As we welcome new members into the life of our community today, how will we allow their presence to reshape our community? But also, how are we to use our own community and all of its resources, this building and all the other bits and bobs, how are we to use it not to form a club, not to form a holy Sunday society, but how are we to use our community for the glory of God? Will you use the faith you found to reshape the world around? Will we, as the St. Peter's community, use the faith that we have to reshape the places of Canterbury? Will we offer the healing and the justice and the peace that is needed on the streets of our own city? So, the report card from Jesus to God of the disciples at that moment was a slightly positive spin on the reality. What would the report card from Jesus to God of you be at this precise moment? Would it be a positive spin on the reality or would even that be a struggle? How much is the faith you've found being used to reshape the world around? 
How much is the work you do and the work you put into the life of this church about creating a unity which is for the glory of God and that alone? And also what would Jesus' report card of our community and our wider church be? A positive spin on the reality or actually whereby we genuinely are trying to seek unity for the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth. John Wesley talked about the idea of never standing still. He, he certainly couldn't. Uh, he was 20,000 miles a, a year on horseback, um, which I suspect led to some chafing in the process. But he never, ever stood still. He was constantly out there, and he was saying that the people called Methodists can't ever live on the glories of the past. We have to look forward and face what is coming with the future. We cannot remain as community and assume that that community will always remain the same. We move forward. We keep finding new ways of serving and loving God. We keep on finding new ways of seeking out the glory of God. And so my prayer for us in this week, in the run up to Pentecost, is that we seek the Holy Spirit to come upon each of us, to give us the strength we need to form that community here together, but also that that Holy Spirit will transform our thinking as to how we can best serve those beyond our walls. How can we use our community for the advancement of God's kingdom? How can we live out the glory of God? May God's Spirit give us that wisdom and strength we need this week and forevermore. Amen.